Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 143 unread books on my shelf. With me, as always, is my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Aye. And my husband Dylan is the sound recordist. Here. Here? How do you say it? Oh, that's Irish. Crap. <laughs> Ignore me. I do. Poor Dylan. Oh, boy. So, guys, I have a little bit of something to report. Oh, is it <clears throat> Pride? Yes. No. Oh. Um. So... Over the weekend, the Silent Book Club of Los Angeles had our meeting for the end of the year. And to celebrate it, um, we had a book exchange. So. Oh, no. Well, okay. So it's an exchange, right? So I gave away some books and then I got some books. This is prime addiction behavior. We're justifying (laughs) in any way possible. Continue. Yeah. So. Wait, wait, Bailey. You gave away books. But yes. were they books that you hadn't read? No. No. So no. you only gained yeah. books that you had also not read. I gave away three books that we read on the podcast. Ooh, that, what'd you give away? That I said I would not keep on my shelf. And so oh, I, so you brought the cruddy books to the <laughs> well, silent, silent book? Pretty much club? everybody seemed to bring cruddy books. Or like, they seemed okay, but there was a lot of cruddy like, books. this is okay, but it fell apart in the end. That's true. Of. Now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, a book exchange. You wouldn't bring like yeah. your most beloved book unless you were like a more generous person than the two of us seem to be at least. Right. Certainly not. Unless you had two copies, maybe. Um, so <laughs> Bailey's like, I should start getting two copies of every book that I like. I gave away The Casual Vacancy, yeah, Wicked, mm. and History of Wolves way back on our second episode, I think, or third episode. Yeah. Um, that one went immediately. As soon as I put it out, someone was like, give me that. I was like, all right. Very aggressive silent book club. So it was more like, Punch can I have that one? out of the way to grab it. May I please have that? Uh, so then I, I did only get two books back because nobody took Wicked and I felt bad by taking a third book. So I just put it in a little free library as I walked by. Everyone's been burned by Wicked before. <laughs> they, they, they know what's up. Uh, so I got two books. I got one called White is for Witching by Helen Oyeyemi. She wrote Boy Snowbird, which is on my list. And it's apparently a ghost story. And this YA book called Tell Me Everything by Sarah Enney. And this one came from fan of the podcast, Hannah. Oh, Hannah. Uh, yes, I know Han- I know Hannah from uh, The Hatchery. Uh, shout out to, to Hannah. I'm so glad yep. you guys got to see each other. Yeah, shout out to Hannah. So thank you for that book. My shame. So, yeah, sh- your shame. Sorry, which one was that? That was the YA one. It's called Tell Me Everything. It's YA. Oh my God. What's it about? Tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have two new books of, of shame. But I have a related question. And I'm going to put this to the group. Hmm. So... This may or may not be related to today's review, but no spoilers. Let's say that on the To Read List podcast, I have read books by authors, right? And Is this where you tell us you actually haven't read any of the books <laughs> and you've just been sparknoting them? <laughs> I tricked you all. <laughs> Let's say that I read books by authors and it was like their most famous book and I only thought the book was okay. But uh-huh. I have other books from those same authors on the list. Oof. Am I allowed to get rid of those books, those books I haven't read yet, that I would like to donate to somebody else who might want them more? Specifically three books. I have an opinion on this. Okay. I do too. Uh, my- uh, you go first, Toby. I hope we agree so I don't have to yell at you. Oh, well, yeah, I hope we disagree for drama. <laughs> um, I think you should be able to get rid of them. I think that it's based on my, as long as you donate them, as long mm-hmm. as you, you know, don't leave them festering in the house. Don't burn them. Uh, my opinion about books in general is life is too short. You know, I don't want to, if I know that I only enjoy a writer's writing so much and no more, 
I'm not going to read any more books of theirs. It's not. I didn't sign a contract when I bought a book. I think as long as you get rid of them and show us photographic proof of their new home. I 100% disagree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think if you were any other person in the world, Bailey, and not someone who created a podcast particularly <laughs> designed to read the books that you had bought and had not read yet, that would be fine. But because you have set up this unique construction in the world, you need to keep them on. And also, you know, there is a possibility that if you're already liking something less than like what popular opinion is, maybe you'll like the less popular book more because you just have those different tastes. You can like different authors' books to varying degrees. Like I really disliked The Corrections by Jonathan Franzen, but I liked Freedom. And popular opinion on those is like not necessarily too different i think you should take a ride on a train is what i'm trying to say <laughs> uh, i i have something to say i'm 100 convinced by andrew's argument and i agree with him <laughs> wholeheartedly yeah what would hannah say thank you toby <laughs> just just really quickly though you guys are the ones that have to come up with facts so do you really want to come up with more zadie smith and jonathan saffron for facts <gasps> those are two interesting people i feel like it'd be pretty easy <laughs> okay fine all right well I'll ask, I'll put it to Instagram, but I probably will have to keep them. Yeah. I feel like Instagram users are as punitive as Andrew is. Yeah. And, you know, I could also get you uh, the same copies of those books for Christmas or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Be amazing. So, Andrew, uh, I've heard you had quite the week. You were in Barcelona. Uh, Yes, I was in Barcelona, Spain um, with Jillian. We went on a little vacation. Uh, Word to the wise, anyone listening here, check flights on they're not sponsoring us check flights on delta airlines a few months ahead for flights to barcelona because these were insanely cheap i have flown to chicago from new york for double the price that i paid for this and not really thought it was too much so if you're interested in going take a take a peek and maybe you'll get lucky i don't know it could have just been a weird thing but it was great wow i truly thought you were gonna say for those of you who don't know check out my girlfriend jillian she's great (laughs) (laughs) She is great. That's true. Good Check point. Check her out. Um, but yeah, so we went over for a week um, and we had a little vacation. Uh, it was great. It was the first time I ever tried speaking Spanish in like a live situation. Oh, how'd it go? It went okay. Live fire. Actually. Yeah. yeah, I was able to get around. I mean, I messed up some words. There was a time when I said um, cambiar instead of caminar, which are uh-huh. two very different verbs. What do those mean? Uh, cambiar means to change and caminar is to walk. And I oh, okay. told a, ca- a cab driver, it's okay, we can change. Instead of, <laughs> it's okay, we can walk because a, a street was closed. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a great little trip. Um, did have one little fun book thing. As we've um, introduced earlier in the podcast, I collect copies of The Little Prince. And I not only bought one in Spanish, which was to sort of commemorate my, uh, my my speaking of Spanish. But as some of you probably know, Spanish is actually not the primary language in Barcelona because it's in Catalonia. Um, so I actually, I first bought a copy in Catalan and then decided, you know, I also want to commemorate the Spanish speaking time in my life. And I bought one in, in Spanish too. So I got two copies of The Little Prince from a wonderful little bookstore uh, near our hotel. That's awesome. Um, and just to sort of peek behind the curtain of the podcast, uh, we were supposed to record last night. Our flight coming back uh, was delayed. We could not record last night. And so we're working on sort of bizarre jet lag, full day's work, weird things. So whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth. Don't at me, Diana Gabaldon. How many hours of sleep have you had? A normal, like, I don't know, six and a half, seven hours of sleep. But it was after being up for like 24 hours straight. That's also, that's not normal. You got to get at least, I think. 10, 12 hours. That's me. <laughs> and I did roll into a 12, uh, 14 hour workday today. 
Bailey says sleep, but she just lies in the sun and kind of like makes a weird sound. <laughs> so if Andrew's review just starts randomly turning into Spanish halfway through. <laughs> oh, exciting. All right. Well, let's get to it because I cannot wait for this crazy Outlander review. Yes, I'm intrigued to say the least. So Andrew, tell you got to tell us, what did you think of Outlander by Diana Gabaldon, which is number two on The Great American Read? Second only to To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it falls into that esteem in my head as well. Got, got robbed, I believe. Really did get robbed. I, I put it 10,000 times. For- <laughs> <laughs> I'm the reason it's there, even though I hadn't read it. I just knew I would love it. I th- what if you touched a rock and went back in time so you could vote? Do you get it? That's an outlander. You're wildly joke. simplifying what happens to my friend Claire Beecham. Tell us, all <laughs> Tell us all about it. If you want zero spoilers about Outlander, I'm going to try to keep my review reasonably spoiler-free, but because this book is so long, I need to, in my blurb, sort of describe what happens in a way that could be spoilery to some people. All right, uh, just to set the context a little bit, Outlander by Diana Gabaldon is the story of a former World War II nurse named Claire Beecham who has recently reunited with her husband Frank and is taking a delayed honeymoon to the Scottish Highlands where he's researching his long dead relative who uh, was an Englishman who operated as a soldier in that area. Um, While they are honeymooning, Claire accidentally transports herself back in time to the 1700s. In her quest to get home, she encounters hostile redcoats, including her husband's six times great-grandfather, John Randall, a distrusting Scotsman, and an intriguing Highlander named Jamie. When survival forces her into marrying him, she must decide between her deep desire to return home and her newfound attraction to this big old redhead. So, a lot of other things happen in this book. I should start by saying this book, at least the copy I had, was 850 pages, which is maybe the longest book I've ever read, except I can't remember if um, Harry Potter 5 goes longer than that. No, Harry Potter just feels longer. (laughs) (laughs) So, there's a lot that happens, so I, I, I won't even attempt to summarize all the plot that goes on. Suffice it to say, Claire transports back and ends up uh, living in a Scottish court to escape some redcoats. Um, and that's where this uh, weird little love story begins. So, what to say about the second greatest book <laughs> of all time? Here's what I'm going to say just as like an overall point. For what it is, it is a good version of it. Like, for an escapist romance novel written by an American wanting to like be transported back to the Great Britain of old. It is a fine version of that. That said, I want to start with a couple orcs. Oh. <laughs> start with orcs, okay. You know what, you're right. I'm being too mean. I won't start with the orcs. I'll start with my elves. Okay. Okay. In the best parts of the book, it actually is genuinely suspenseful and it and it, and it drives you forward. It's never really sexy, in my opinion. And maybe oh. I'm just not into this, but like it, it didn't work for me because she is sort of super clinical with how she describes some things. And then mm. almost always she like writes this big lead up and then says, and later we woke up in a bush somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, my understanding of this book was that it was very steamy, but I guess not. No, it, it it is steamy, and there is a lot of adult material in it. I haven't read a lot of romance, so I don't really have anything to compare it to, um, but it felt like she was intentionally under-describing things sometimes. But, like, hey, it, it was fine. There is something to say about, like, you know, the lead-up and, like, the suspense of romance being kind of more sexy than the actual, like, physical description of it. That's fine. Yeah. There is a pattern in romance where usually... There's, you know, sort of a steamy scene in the beginning, and then a lot of the middle is a lead up and a lot of like, oh my God, they're going to get together. No, they're not. And then there's like one like really epic 
love scene. And then from there on, there's a lot of like sort of cutaways. Well, in this 850 page book, there's definitely some sexy stuff in the beginning. Uh, and then there's there's like a, a break for a little bit because she's been transported back to Scotland and away from her husband and then, you know, has to get married to this new guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of other sexy stuff from about, you know, 300 pages in. And it happens pretty regularly throughout, you know, the whole book. Um, All right. I would argue too much. And so, you know, I'm losing the track of my narrative here because I slipped into an orc. But who knows? <laughs> So yeah, it is engaging in the best parts. It's genuinely sort of sus- suspenseful in certain parts. Um, things come back in ways you're not necessarily expecting. And I'll get into this a little bit in my orcs. While I was always sure it was going to sort of, you know, work out because it's a 10 book series. So I knew these characters were like going to be okay because they have to go forward. Um, <laughs> it, it, it surprised me in certain ways in a, in a kind of pleasant way. And then so Diana Gabaldon also creates um, characters who you genuinely are interested in. This isn't true of every character she creates, um, but <laughs> I'm going to get so much crap and we're going to lose like half our listenership about this. But like Claire, the central character, is a great character. You feel safe in her hands telling you the story. Um, she has a lot of agency. It's a really intriguing premise uh, from the beginning. Also, Jamie's great. There are some like side characters who are fun. There's like a, a sort of witch-like character who I liked. And there's like a bunch of sort of members of the Scottish court where she ends up living who are, who are fun. And so those are great. And the sort of overall premise of just being sent back in time and like not knowing if you can get home and then just sort of like deciding what you're going to do with this new life that you have is like a really intriguing premise. So those are all the things I, I like. As you can sort of tell, I have more orcs than elves on this one. <laughs> well, I can tell that you're being very conscientious because you know that this is a beloved book. And it just wasn't for you. So you're just trying to think of a way to say it that's not, you know, slamming Diana Gabaldon, who, like, clearly is an unpopular author. Yeah, she needs all the help she can get. Um, so here are sort of my orcs of and I'm going to run them down as quickly as I can, because, again, overall, I do think this is a good version of what it's trying to be. And it for someone who like this is the kind of book they like. Hey, go for it. It's great. Go for it. OK, my biggest orc is the length of the book. I there. Maybe it's really fun for some people who like want to get taken away on this world but there were so many things that i didn't feel needed to happen or or more often could have happened in one fifth of the pages i'm thinking mm-hmm. specifically of a birth of a foal that did not need to be a 30 page chapter i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> oh wow you just you just described so much of the book to me with that <laughs> with that phrase i'm thinking of there are like 80 sex scenes it could have been 50 it could have been <laughs> it would have been okay um it was long and it didn't need to be as long as i it was in my opinion hey i know the books only get longer in the series so it does create this whole world that if you're into being in that world you're gonna like spending more time there so good for you not for me mm-hmm. connected to what i just said there's emphasis in the book on some strange details for example the birth of the foal that's 30 pages long <laughs> and if the book was shorter and it just like skated over these details i wouldn't maybe notice them as much but because they were described in such detail they stick out when i hear that it makes me wonder if uh diana gabaldon is like a fantasy fan like there's just so many things that are so similar to a lot of these fantasy books like the incredible length the bizarre tangents that's a lot of hallmarks of fantasy you know like I mean, it's definitely a f- rooted in fantasy, and it's rooted, yeah. it's a romantic fantasy. Um, so I'm sure she's a big fan of, of fantasy. Of romanticy. Of romanticy. Yeah, Ooh. there you go. Ooh. 
like that. Trademark that Toby. Romanticy. <laughs> so similarly, the book relies a little bit too much on coincidence for me. It's a little bit of a bugbear that I have that like somehow the person they meet is the one person in the world who can help them in this one time in this very strange place. And they find that one person who somehow connects to earlier in the book, which I know was like a fun reveal, but it happened to a degree where I was just like, there is no world where these things would happen. Well, that that never happens in fantasy books, so yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's really distances itself from the romanticy genre. Yeah, so like I, I know this is all probably just part of the genre, but like that, that always bugs me in books when it, it's coincidental to the point of being unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, because the conceit of this book, while it is fantasy, is that she is in the real world, just in the past. It's not like there are some other elements of of fantastical things happening but it's it's a it's this real world this world that we live in that has fantastic elements in it that are hidden versus it being like an entire fantasy world so th- those are sort of my small orcs the last two things i want to say that that really sort of bugged me about the book and again remember this is a fantasy book this is a, a romance this is some, a book where someone travels back in time I'm not going to say it because I don't want to say trademark. (laughs) Come on. I found the construction of the main villain character, John Randall, to be, I think, unintentionally, but I don't know, pretty homophobic. There are like two sort of bad characters in the book. One that you're sort of less sure about, but the only two gay characters in the book are these two characters who are villains. You're in a world where people can travel back in time. You're in a world where, like, maybe, like, a Loch Ness Monster-like character exists. Why can't there be, like, virtuous gay people? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So -hmm. that's a a problem I had with it. I I think that that is a common orc (laughs) with the book. Um, The other thing um, was weirdly, again, if you're interested in not getting spoilers to Outlander, skip ahead to the facts about Diana Gabaldon. But the weird, like, last 200 pages of this book sort of become a treatise on religion in a way the rest of the book isn't. And I couldn't help but feeling like it was really preachy in terms of, like, well, you've enjoyed this romance. You've enjoyed this fantasy. You've thought about all these other things. Now let's let's think about religion real closely for, for, for 200 pages. Hmm. All right, everybody, you had fun reading this, this sexy book? Eh, let's, let's <laughs> now let's some, repent. Let's get you some religion. Um <laughs> I probably would have reacted differently to that had it not been like a book I needed to read by a time to record a podcast. But because I was like trying to grind through these last 200 pages, I was like, come on, monks, stop talking at me. (laughs) You never want the last 200 pages to be the slowest. No. And uh, that's where I am. I apologize, listeners, for the incoherence of this 10 stars. I'm buying them all. (laughs) (laughs) So, Andrew, how many stars and are you going to keep it on your shelf? It is not my book, so I will keep it on the shelf. It, uh, Jillian purchased this copy, um, so I have not the authority to throw it away. And this is going to sound weird after my review, but I'm giving it three stars. Okay. Three stars is, is solid. Three stars is like solid It is book. a strong two and a half for me, Okay, but I go with if a book has that extra half star, I round up. So yeah, it's solidly between a two and a three for me. And the reason is because despite all of what I said, like I can see why people like this book. I don't want to spend my time trashing this book because if this sounds like something you'd like, you probably will like it. And hey, good for you. It's just not what I want to spend my time reading. And that's fine. And it's fine if you do. Uh, This all seems totally fair. And at the same time, I was really hoping that Outlander would just hit a nerve with Andrew and he would just be like, oh my God, I love romance now. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like, I have so many books to add to my list. Yeah. I, and, and the other reason I put it up to three is because I'm genuinely curious where the story goes next. Like it gets to a point okay. and it has a good ending where you're like, oh, okay, I can see why this story needs to propel forward. I can see why this needs to have a sequel and why it needs to have more sequels after it. So despite all of my, like, I think well-founded criticisms in it, I can't help but like wonder what happens to these characters later. Okay, that's fair. All right. Outlander by Diana Gabaldon, three stars. Solid review, Andrew. Toby, do you have any facts? I do have some facts on Diana J. Gabaldon. Uh, she was born on January 11th, 1952. Uh, Gabaldon grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona. She earned a Bachelor of Science in Zoology from Northern Arizona University. Uh, she has a Master's in Marine Biology from the University of California, San Diego. And a PhD in Behavioral Ecology from Northern Arizona University. She was the founding editor of Science Software Quarterly in 1984 while she was employed at the Center for Environmental Studies at Arizona State University. During the mid-1980s, she wrote software reviews and technical articles for computer publications, as well as pop science articles and Disney comics. She was a professor with an expertise in scientific computation at ASU for 12 years before she left to become a full-time writer. So, obviously a long and varied history in writing. Interesting person. Very smart, but not necessarily studying the fields that you would expect. Like, I would expect history yeah. or writing or, yeah. In 1988, Gabaldon, she tried, she decided to write a novel for practice just to learn how. That's a quote from the author. Practice just to learn how, uh, with no intention to show it to anybody. She was a research professor. She decided that a historical novel would be the easiest to research and write. Don't know where she got that opinion from. It sounds very difficult to me but she had no background in history and initially no particular time period in mind. Uh, she says, this is a story, she happened to see a rerun episode of the Doctor Who science fiction TV series, uh, and the episode she saw was called The War Games. In the episode, one of the Doctor's companions was a Scot from 1745, a young man um, around 17 years old named Jamie McQuimmon, who provided the initial inspiration for her main male character, James Fraser, and for her novel's mid-18th century Scotland setting. No way. Yes, way. All based on an old Doctor Who episode. Wow. Um, okay. uh, she said she decided to have, quote, an English woman to play off all these kilted Scotsmen, end quote, but her female character, quote, took over the story and began telling it herself, making smart-ass modern remarks about everything. So that's kind of the genesis of the Outlander series. So this was the first book she ever wrote. Wrote it for practice, wrote it for fun. So this is, the rest of this is from an interview with uh, Alison Keene at the Collider. So she, asked, uh, she was asked to pick her favorite book. And she says, well, this is a quote, Well, trying to pick one favorite book out of the universe of books is impossible. It's a dead heat between Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Lonesome Dove. Okay. And having made that decision, I was thinking, what do these books have in common? You know, why do I like them both so much? I finally decided that it's because they share what my husband refers to in reference to my work as the, quote, one damn thing after another school of fiction. <laughs> Andrew, having read 800 plus pages of Outlander, would you say that this describes her work one damn thing after another? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, excellent. I do think that, you know, Alice in Wonderland plus Lonesome Dove equals Outlander. Absolutely. Stranger in a Strange Land and... Magic um, and, like, epic... Prairie epic setting. Historical. Somewhat yeah, sure. historical. Yeah. 
she also told a story um, on how she was first discovered. Um, she was posting on a CompuServe message board focused on discussing literature. So she said it all started, um, or her kind of genesis of writing started, uh, when she had an argument with a man online. Typical. Uh, who was trying to tell her what it feels like to be pregnant. Oh, my God. She apparently corrected him by sharing a story excerpt she had written where a woman describes it to her brother. Uh, People on the CompuServe message board read it and wanted more, so she continued to write excerpts until someone on the board recommended a literary agent. Wow. She says, quote, My husband says I am congenitally unable to lose an argument, and he's right. That's why I overcame my fear of showing what I was writing in order to win an argument, and I did, as a matter of fact, win the argument. You know what? Respect. I I totally respect that. Good job. respect, yes. I hate it when men tell me things about being a woman that... I mean, if it would happen anywhere, it'd happen on a CompuServe message board. Right, exactly. I miss the days where just posting your fiction online could lead to getting an agent. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. If there are any male listeners out there that want to describe how being pregnant is, uh, feel free to Instagram Bailey. Honestly, <laughs> I'd love to hear these. Yes, please, <laughs> please. And that's all I have on Diana Gabaldon. Good facts, Toby. Thank you. All right, guys. This week, I had a book to review. Oh, yes? Yes. And this book is one of Toby's favorites. And uh, I liked it a lot. Oh, okay, okay. I wouldn't say one of my favorites, but I liked it a lot. I, I will go to bat for this book for sure. Okay. This book is Just Kids by Patty Smith. For the record, I also like this book. You hear that, the rest of the world? Andrew and I are cool people. We like this book. <laughs> we are punk okay. rock. Have our own reading podcast and everything. All right. Well, Just Kids by Patty Smith. It is a very famous book that came out a few years ago. Um, I read the illustrated edition as I shared. Um, it has, it's accompanied with lots of photographs, if you're interested in that aspect of the story. It's enormous. It looks like a yearbook. It looks like a coffee table book or a yeah. yearbook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you don't know what it's about, it is a memoir by Patti Smith, who is a punk rocker poet. She wrote the song... Um, because the because night... Because the night belongs to lovers. Stop, stop. We can't forward to the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Patty would be cool with us using it. Yeah, yeah. Patty Smith, um, it's her memoir. It's basically about her relationship with Robert Maplethorpe, who's a very famous photographer known for his erotic photographs, um, specifically in the world of S&M. But he has a lot of other beautiful photographs of flowers and other things, but he's known for that. He died of AIDS, um, I think, in the 90s. It's a memoir following their love story and its ups and downs. A lot of it is about them being in love and Robert figuring out his sexuality, figuring out that he's gay, and then still finding a way to have a relationship despite that. Very well put, Bailey. Thank you. Here's the thing about Just Kids. And I'm going to get flack for this. I know it. It's just okay. Flack in right now. Yeah, flack's coming in. Okay. I know you guys are going to come for me. People love this book. I mean, there's an illustrated edition. People love it so much. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just go through my experience, and then I want you guys who really loved it to convince me. Oh, no. I have a terrible memory. Okay. All right. Well, I wish I'd known I had to prepare for this. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Okay. Well, the things I liked about it, the elves. Obviously, she's a poet, so there's a lot of lovely imagery. There's a lot of poetic sentences, which are beautiful to read. Um, (laughs) You sound so dismissive. No, no. The binding is great. There's... I actually wrote, liked the photos. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. 
I, I did find the relationship conceit really interesting. And it's really interesting that it's based on a real relationship. Um, and I was touched at points by Patty and Robert's connection, especially in the end. Um, you know from the beginning that he's going to die from AIDS. And so you know in the end that they're going to have to say goodbye. And I found it very touching and I teared up a little bit at the end. So the relationship was very strong. Poetic imagery. Um <laughs> that's it well no let me just i'll just give a quote so that people get a sense mm. this quote is on page 69 in my edition uh, and this is talking about um patty and robert living together and just sort of ha- what the relationship was like one cannot imagine the mutual happiness we felt when we sat and drew together we would get lost for hours his ability to concentrate for long periods infected me and i learned by his example working side by side when we would take a break i would boil water and make some nescafe After a particularly good stretch of work, we would stroll along Myrtle Avenue, searching for Malamars, splurging on Robert's favorite treat, a marshmallow cookie covered in dark chocolate. So, I mean, there's something very romantic about that. A lot of it is about them trying to be artists, so living um, hand-to-mouth, deciding whether they should buy paper to draw or a sandwich they can both split. And so there is something romantic about that. It reminded me a little bit of um, A Movable Feast by Ernest Hemingway, like this sort of artist life and it gives you a great picture of new york in 50s 60s 70s all right so now i'm going to get to my works for me this book felt very long Mm. the book is like about 350 pages which to me is kind of long for a memoir is this the illustrated edition or the this is the illustrated edition but they don't they don't count the pictures as part of the but I so mean, wait, it does, you're are... saying 350 pages is a long book? No, I'm yeah. saying I'm saying it's a long for a memoir. I can hear Andrew stacking his ammunition right now. <laughs> I'm, I think it's just a lot to read about somebody's life. Maybe if I were a huge fan of Patti Smith and her music, I would want to know more about it. But I've never been into music journalism or writing about music. For some reason in my brain, it doesn't translate. Like, Mm. I can't, I have to listen to the song. And when I do, I get it and I really like it. But when they describe it, it doesn't connect for me. So as this book went on and on, um, I found it to be just kind of repetitive. At first, what started out to be um, this sort of charming artist life grew grading for me where I was just kind of like, just get a job. <laughs> wow. Spanish reviewers. <laughs> review is one star, get a job, hippie. <laughs> oh, wow. People that people are going to come for me. Oh, no. oh, you guys are hating on two such beloved books. <laughs> she gets a job at the Strand and she's like, I hate it. I want to quit. And I'm like, that sounds great. Why are you quitting the Strand? <laughs> You know, she's like, oh, people were really charmed by how messy my apartment was. And she really loves to collect all these like sort of artifacts from different people. Like She's like, this is this broken toy and this weird necklace I found. And she just has like all of her totems around her. And I was just like, by the end, not charmed. And maybe if it were a lot shorter, I would be more into it. Or maybe if I was more into Patti Smith, I would be into it. But it just grew repetitive. For the record, the standard paperback edition is 288 pages. I still think that's too long. I think it should be like 200 pages. Wait, did Patty Smith have to pass the Strand book test? Well, I bet she did. She's very smart. She's very smart. She She would do fine. (laughs) What am I missing? And am I too square for this book? Andrew, 
Do you want to? Do you want to answer? Yeah. Do you want to answer? Do you want to answer number two at the same time? Three, two, one. Yes. <laughs> Without this whole review turning into us mansplaining things, <laughs> which we've already come out against unanimously. You didn't on get this, this book about a woman's experience. <laughs> I, I think it's a waste of time, tr- like for anyone to try to convince somebody something's good that they didn't, that they've experienced and and didn't like as much. But I can say what I thought. I sort of nerded out at like the connections she had to people who I cared about or who I like was fascinated. Like there's a scene where she meets Jimi Hendrix and and all this. I was like there for all of that. And I was really taken by her language and really taken by where the relationship comes to and seeing it from the beginning to the end that you talked about. I did rate it four stars. And I remember the reason being that I thought it it got a little repetitive. But overall, it was a really positive experience for me. But if it wasn't for you, that's totally fine. I I do. Before Toby says this, I just want to say I hear what you're saying about the different celebrities i found it very name droppy and i did not like it oh wow i feel like you can yeah. be name droppy if you also become famous <laughs> yeah it's not name dro- it's like she's up to eggs um so yeah i same as the same as andrew like i in no way trying to convince you uh otherwise but just for people who might be interested in this book i loved almost everything that andrew described about it i also loved the deep deep sadness that pervades and this and hope at the same time that pervades their whole relationship because it does seem in the beginning i don't know if you guys got this where it just seems like she was like she's head over heels for robert Mm -hmm. and he loves her in his own way but then he is wrestling with things about himself like the way they repair that relationship is so intricate and so caring it takes so much work and then the sadness of what happens to him and the power of the artistry that he has and she has i did not know patty smith very well before i read this book I tried to listen to a bunch of Patti Smith afterwards and I still wasn't into it. Mm -hmm. But I think you either become wrapped up in her personality and you get on board with her and you like it. Or I can see how a lot of those things, the way you described them, if you're not on board with how powerful she is, I I can see how that'd be really annoying. Yeah. I want to be clear. I didn't dislike this book. I gave it three stars. I just, everybody talks about it like it's this giant transformative thing and I expected to love it and that's why I got the... might have been overhyped for it. I think it was overhyped. I think that's what it was. And I also like wanted more of Robert. You never see him getting famous, really. Mm, Yeah. Um, And you never really see her getting famous. It kind of ends right before they're about to. But that makes sense because they're just kids. It's before that and it's about the relationship. But I guess I just found it tedious in the long middle. Whereas I like the beginning and the end. With that said, <laughs> everybody loves this book. So you, if it interests you, you should read it. Yeah. Well, Toby, I'd like to learn more about Miss Patty Smith. Do you have any facts? Yes, I do. Um, so Patricia Lee Smith was born on December 30th, 1946. Um, she is a singer, songwriter, musician, author, and poet. She was an influential component of the New York City punk rock movement. Her debut album in 1975 called horses she has been called the punk poet laureate um she kind of did an interesting thing where she fused punk and poetry in her work so yeah in 2010 she won the national book award for just kids she wrote it um, and she said it many many times she kind of wrote it for robert maplethorpe as a promise she fulfilled to him and i I really liked that the book starts out saying like he told me that he wanted me to write our story and that's very sweet it's very beautiful yeah um here's a random fun fact before i get into the uh, interview that i found with her she's often photographed uh, by maplethorpe and others holding a cigarette because basically people thought it looked cool but she was unable to smoke because of a childhood bout with tuberculosis 
I did know that because that's in the book. Ah, well, <laughs> listeners, I hope you enjoyed that. So this is from Interview Magazine. Interviewer asks, uh, people see pictures of you and Robert Maplethorpe in those early days and romanticize that kind of poverty and struggling. And it is beautiful, no question, but hunger is hunger no matter what decade you live in. You say in the prologue to the book that Maplethorpe's life has been romanticized and damned, but in the end, the real Maplethorpe lies in his art. Smith says, exactly. And the interviewer asks, so if we have his art, why did you feel like you had to write a memoir about him? Patty says, well, because I finally finished it. I promised Robert on his deathbed that I would write it. I kept the notes for it and wrote other pieces for him, like The Coral Sea. But it took a while because the idea of writing a memoir about a departed friend while also having to navigate widowhood was too painful. For a while, I had to sort of shelve the promise I made to Robert. In the last 10 years, I finally got back on my feet and got the house in order, literally and figuratively. I was able to start again. I know it seems like a fairly simple book to take 10 years to write, but I had to gather the material and think out the structure. And sometimes, truthfully, it was painful. It made me miss him, you know? Sometimes I'd remember the atmosphere of our youth with such clarity that it hurt, so I'd have to let go of it for months and months. Robert and I were always ourselves. To the day he died, we were just exactly as we were when we met, and we loved each other. Everybody wants to define everything. Is it necessary to define love? Oh, that's nice. Well, yeah. love as three stars. So. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so she asked a question about um, what Andrew kind of mentioned about how there's like a lot of really huge celebrities peppered through the book and, you know, being living in the 60s and 70s in New York. The interviewer asked, what's it like? What was it like being in New York around all those famous people at that time? And Patty says, we didn't know. Sometimes people say to me, oh, you knew all these famous people. Well, none of us were famous. And even the people who were supposedly famous and had some money didn't seem much different from the rest of us. I mean, if you sat in a room with people like Janis Joplin, they had arrogance, but they didn't have bodyguards or paparazzi around them or tons of money. What I'm saying is that line between us and them was easy to walk across. It was just that greatness in their work was undeniable and their arrogance or indulgences were more palatable. Still, they were human beings. You can just see, too, how she talks that is beautifully written. She's, she is a great poet. I hear that. Four stars. Three Edging stars. up on the four stars. And that's, uh, that's what I got. Awesome. So this is all, you know, tying back to the beginning. I do have M Train by Patti Smith on my list, um, which is her second memoir. <laughs> um, and so my thought is, you know, if I don't love this one that everyone loves, I would like to be able to get rid of M Train. But Toby's shaking his head at me. So no, that will stay on the no, list. No, I agree with Andrew. Yeah. All right. Well, Just Kids by Patti Smith, three stars with an asterisk. Are you keeping it on your shelf? Yes, I'm keeping it. it I do have a signed illustrated edition. So yeah, I figured yeah. you wouldn't get rid of that. All right. So this week, because Andrew is on this crazy plane from Barcelona, Toby made the game this week. And I am very interested to see what Toby came up with. Mm, mm, because, mm, mm. I mean, is he going to be as good a game master as Andrew? No. Time to find out. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I'm not even going to say no. Because I am going to abolish the competitive nature of the game for this week. You guys are going to be working together. Does Dylan get to play? Yeah, Dylan can play too. We might need, we might need all the help we can get. Ooh. So this is a special format of, I wouldn't call them riddles, but I would call them puzzles. It's, called, it's based on a British game show called Only Connect. Okay. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four clues that will re- lead to four things. Once you have all four things, they will have one connection between them. Four clues leading to four things. It sounds more complicated than it is. Okay. As, as, I, as I walk you through the four clues, all I'm going to do is gonna, I'll let you know when you're correct. And once you have all four things, you'll be able to see what the connection is. Uh, and what, what will help you overall is that they're all going to have to either do with Patti Smith or Outlander. These are all related okay. to our to our books. So 
you're going to give a clue. We're going to figure out what it is. There's going to be four of them. And we have to figure out what connects the four. Yes. Okay. And I won't, you won't have to figure out each clue before we move on to the next one. Sometimes you might be like, I don't know what that one is yet. We'll leave it and you can come back to it. Okay. Because some of them will you'll get them easier. Um, all right. You ready? Well, for the record, listener, I would just like to say, again, I am extremely tired. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Clue number one. Not just a manner of speaking, but also a nice pair of footwear. Not just a manner of speaking, but also a nice pair of footwear. Slippers. No. Toms. All right. Loafers? No, we'll leave that behind. Skechers. <laughs> You're right. It's Skechers. Um, clue number two. Professors love these, especially when they have elbow patches. Jacket. Tweed. Blazers. Tweed yes. blazers. Andrew is exactly right. A tweed jacket. So that's your, that's your second clue. Okay. Clue number three. Oh, convert. Converse. No. The first one. The first one is not converse. Why? It's a shoe. Converse into converse is to talk. That would, ooh, that's, ooh. That, that does satisfy it, but it's not the one I'm looking for. Mm. That's pretty good, though. A woolly grid of red and green is your third clue. A, a woolly scarf. grid of, no. Christmas scarf. Plaid. Sweater. Close. Dylan's plaid. closer with Kilt. plaid. Kilt. Kilt. Plaid. Mm. Tartan. Yes, tartan. So second one is tweed. Third one is tartan. First one we still don't know. Uh, fourth clue. Down to your knees gives your privates a breeze. A kilt? A kilt. That's also yes. a kilt. There we go. So we have tweed, tartan, kilt, and the first one is not just a manner of speaking, but also a nice pair of footwear. Brogue. Yes, that's absolutely right. Brogue. Brogue tweed, tartan, kilt. What's Scotland. Scotland. Scottish clothing. What's a brogue? shoe it's an alternate um it's like a different form of an oxford shoe this is a man watch shoe. the kingsman <laughs> yeah so do we get how it works you, yes. you solve the four clues then you see the connection the yes, connection but this, i am a dumb the connection in this case is scottish clothing are we ready yes yes clue number one lord voldemort tom riddle no i'm gonna i'm gonna let you guys with that one you okay. might get that no i want to solve it right now <laughs> <laughs> clue number two the boss. Bruce Springsteen. That's absolutely right. Clue number three. Fool for Dark lo- Lord. No. Is that the first one? No. Clue number three. Fool for love, buried child, true Sam west. Sam Shepard. That's right. Clue number four. Photographer with a tree in his name. Mapplethorpe. Robert Mapplethorpe. Okay. Lord Voldemort. Um... Well, it's got to be some. Right. I, I know what the connection is. So the other the other ones are Sam Shepard. You can say what this connection is. Well, I mean, there are people in Patty Smith books. Close. Uh, maybe her boyfriends. Her boy. They're all men that she dated. Do we know what Lord Voldemort is? Tom. <laughs> Come on, guys. What? I don't know. It's Ralph Fiennes. She dated Ralph Fiennes as well. Rafe. Rafe Fiennes. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. Okay. We'll do another one. First clue: Hot morning grain. Oatmeal. Porridge. Yes. That's you got the, got it right right away. Which one is second it? Second clue. Uh, porridge. Oh. Yes. <laughs> uh, second clue. Dracula's tapioca. Blood. Blood blood pudding. That's right. Third clue. Glen Fittich, Glen Livet, Glen Rodek. Scotch. And fourth clue, minced heart, liver and lungs with oatmeal, onions, suet, and seasoning. Haggis. All cooked in Scottish the Scottish foods. There we go. Oh, Andrew's just like cutting. Bing, bing, it. bing, bing, bing. All right, this one is our last one. Okay. Okay. Um, I just got really good at this game because I went past the point of no return in terms of sleepiness. <laughs> so I have no filter. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. All right. 
This one is probably the hardest one. First clue, bananas, soup cans, Marilyn Monroe. Andy Warhol. That's right. Yes. See, you get it. You just need a little practice. You guys <laughs> had some powerful hatred radiating towards me on these ones. Um, second clue, in cold blood, breakfast at Truman Tiffany's. Truman Capote. Other- Truman Capote. I was waiting for him to finish, Andrew. I don't care for him to finish if I know the answer. <laughs> Third clue, 12, Gone Again Horses. Albums Patty by Patti Smith. Patti Smith. Number no. four, Jingle All the Way, True Lies, Hercules in New York. Arnold, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. All right. What's the connection? Okay, wait. That's Ar- the hard part of Arnold this one. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Patti Smith, Andy, Andy Warhol, Warhol, and Truman Capote. Hmm. Uh, I truly believe you can get there. Think about... Think about what? <laughs> well, think about... what. Okay, so it's obviously about just kids. Uh-huh. It's not about Patti Smith because she's one of the clues. Um, uh, famous What? It, people. Um, yeah. Truman okay. Capote. I don't want to give it to you. Um, Andy Warhol had a factory. Arnold went to the gym. Oh, <laughs> is it Philip Seymour Hoffman play all of them, including Patti Smith? <laughs> 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 yes, yes. Oh, um, it has to do with the other character in Just Kids. Robert Maplethorpe. Mm-hmm. People he photographed. That's exactly right. Oh. These are all famous people that he photographed. Andy Warhol, Truman Capote, Patti Smith, and of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He took a very famous series of photographs of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, well, you solved some of them. You didn't solve any of them. <laughs> you, you, didn't, you didn't solve others. I think you only got one of them. Anyway, that was more difficult than I anticipated. We Sound got off. two. We got Scottish clothing and Scottish food. Yes, there we go. Yeah. We got Patti no, Smith boyfriends. Yeah, you got Patti Smith. And I think you got the Robert Maplethorpe. You got them all in the end. Here's the yeah, thing. So how Part dare of the you? thing about doing the game is you have to keep track of the score. <laughs> you, got, you win. You guys both win. Thank, Thank you, you, Toby. So much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right, people. Send us emails about how easy those riddles were and how well-constructed the clues were. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate that you did the game. You, you did... A solid for us, Toby. And I think in the future we'll have you do more games. So ready to take it over forever, right? Oh, forever. Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right. Well, now's the time in the podcast where we choose books at random from our shelf to read next. It is The Choosening. The Choosening. The Choosening. choosening. Well, I feel almost bad doing this to Andrew after he had to read the longest book ever. Uh Uh-oh. But Uh Andrew, you have number 77, Mariko Tamaki's This One Summer. Oh, awesome. It's a graphic novel. Yeah, it's a graphic novel. I'm really excited for this. Um, I've been looking forward to doing a graphic novel on the show since we started. So this is exciting. Nice. Nice. And Bailey, just so we can get a few more people to kind of join the Bailey hate wagon train about her opinions. Bailey has number 94, Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Oh, no. I'm excited because people have been talking this book up to me. People are excited. (laughs) Toby has giant eyes as if I'm going to hate this book. Well, we'll see. I think you'll enjoy it. I think there's going to be some hot takes to be had. (laughs) Um, Wow, I can't believe you haven't read. I mean, I can believe it. But yeah, that's a good one. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a quick read, hopefully. Yeah, you'll blast through it. Nice. All right. Well, uh, next week on the podcast, we actually have a special episode. I read, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! Well, it wasn't it wasn't chosened on the podcast because I uh, it was a word for that, right? Nope. I went to visit my four best friends from high school, um, and they wanted to be on the podcast, and they picked a book from my shelf to read, and that book was 
Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. So I read it and we did a podcast about Little Women um, just in time for the new movie to come out. So that episode will come out next week. Heads up, we do go into some basic spoilers about Little Women. The book did come out in the 1800s, but if that's something you want to totally avoid, you know, just skip that episode. And then in two weeks, uh, we have our last regular episode of the year. Toby's reading Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders, and I'm reading Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Cool, cool, cool. Thanks for listening to the To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the To Read List podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash the To Read List podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the To Read List podcast and on Twitter at To Read List pod. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto your podcast rating app of choice and rate us five stars. There's a special drop down menu for people who create the games. And I'd like you to rate that also five stars. <laughs> it really helps us shoot up in the games visibility rankings. And that's, I think, the most important thing these days. <laughs> and if you know anybody in your life that you think would enjoy this podcast, Please tell them uh, word of mouth is still our best advertising technique. And, you know, why not? Please help us out, man. Come on. (laughs) Andrew gets to go to bed. (laughs) Thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me, to Dylan for sound recording, and to Miss Jillian Beth Durkee for composing our intro song. See you next week. Happy reading. Books, 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 books.